Hello, and welcome to the Forum on Education Abroad's Storytellers Podcast. This next set of episodes are focused on equity, diversity, and inclusion in the world of education abroad. My name is Ryan Vonderhaar, and I was thrilled to help produce this project. The episodes you're about to hear were developed by members of the Forum's 2021-2022 Inclusive International Engagement Working Group. For more information on this project and all of the other great initiatives and work being done in this realm, please visit forumea.org. We hope that you enjoyed the episode. Hello and good morning, everyone. This is Katie Clancy, and I am joining from Guanajuato, Mexico. And I'm so excited to be a part of this program with the forum and uh, even more so to be creating this podcast and this content uh, all around justice, diversity and inclusion. The topic of our uh, podcast series is the shifting lens of identity. And in this series, we are talking directly with students who have had experiences in study abroad. And we're talking about how those experiences have helped shape their identity in both positive and negative uh, situations and what we can learn from them. So we are so excited to have, or I am so excited, I should say, to have a former student of mine join us today. Mm -hmm. Today we have Jowson Guo. Now, Jowson, I apologize. I know I try my hardest to pronounce your name. Could you pronounce your name for us the way that we, we should say your name, ideally? <laughs> oh, of course, most certainly. So in Chinese, my name reads as Zhaosun Guo, or actually Guo Zhaosun, because in our country, the last name goes first, the family name kind of goes first. But oh, okay. yeah, yeah, but in an American setting, we switch it, you know, being the first name being actually the first name and last name being last name. Now it's Zhaosun Guo. Okay, so if I was to say it correctly for you, in Chinese, it would yeah. be Guo Zhao Yeah, so that's, you know, when, when your mom calls your full name and you know you're in trouble, that kind of thing, that's what she will call me. <laughs> yes. Okay. Guo Zhao And that means it's serious. Okay. Right on. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, thank yeah. you, Zhao I appreciate your patience with me. Um, hey, anytime. Yes. Uh, so, Zhao just to get started, could mm-hmm. you let us know? where you are right now what's going on with like where are you calling in from and what are you up to oh yeah okay most certainly so right now i'm calling um from actually my home office in uh, boston like downtown boston area so uh right now so technically speaking after my program with the uh, cmat and then after i graduated from hamilton college in my undergrad studies right now i am officially pursuing a uh, master's in data science degree in the University of Pennsylvania. However, the reason I'm in Boston is that I'm taking a semester off from my studies to come here and intern or doing the slash like a longer intern or co-op thing was a Wayfair. So uh, basically the, <laughs> some of you might know Wayfair, but basically the uh, home goods Amazon wannabe. That's how I would call the company. And uh, yeah, I'm just here to uh, to do some more data stuff with Wayfair for the next five months. So, Awesome. I'm sure you're learning a lot. 
Yes, I, I I would think so too. Hopefully, yes. <laughs> okay, and so you're a Hamilton graduate, and now yes. you're at university. You're at you're at University of Pennsylvania. That is right? correct. Yes. And now, currently at Wayfair. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Well, just to get everybody on board, so that everyone knows what we're here for, like what the purpose of this um, podcast is, is that we're just really kind of looking at how to flesh out a little window into this complex and ongoing process of identity development and discuss how the experiences, both positive and negative and everything in between of studying internationally impacts and influences that, that process. And today we're looking at that process on a micro level and, and you, are our study, Justin. So you are the person that we're looking at, like understanding how how this process has, has looked and felt for you. Um, and so to start that and give shape to the conversation, we like to start with place. Since we are a study abroad organization and that's what we're interested in, we're looking at how place plays a role in the development of, of identity and then therefore changing place has an impact on that. Uh, and then yeah, right. And then from there, we'll go on to looking at your social identities mm. and how those have shown up differently when you're in these different spaces. Ah. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of how we want to do that. And I think to get started, we need to know about little Jowsen, right? Or Guo Jowsen. So, like as you said, when you were back in the day at home with mom and dad, and yep. so can you share where was home for you when you okay. were tiny, and and what was that environment like, and and how did it how did it inform you about who you were and or who maybe you were supposed to be, right? Yeah. So my uh, so I I think from the get go. Um, Really, before I was even there, my parents actually come up from the uh, Shanxi province, China. So they are, um, so that province is known historically for like brewing great black vinegar, Chinese vinegar, as well as coals. So that's where my parents spent their adolescent years until, all the way until high school. And then for work, they moved to Beijing, which is the capital of China. In Beijing, what happened was that, uh, you know, they fell in love they got married and then they had me so but i'm a born and raised uh let's call it a beijinger you know uh i'm uh i've been in beijing born and raised for 14 years of my life so okay. and then yeah and then after that basically finishing my middle school and everything i uh, came to the united states uh to study um okay. yeah so when you were growing up in beijing what was what was like home life like? What was Beijing like in school? Like, like what were what do you feel like you learned? Like, what were the important values that were instilled in you uh, by your family, by school, um, those sort of things? Like, what was the most important? Well, the most important thing I, I think you probably could imagine <laughs> is the uh, the importance of. Uh, being good as you're studying right that is part of be like you know that is kind of like your primary uh career or per se your primary uh um kind of like occupation at the time aside from being a kid is you have to study and that is what i did 
um i don't think i did a bad job of studying but on the other hand you know like the um, rules and regulations are there for schools and i'm not usually the one who follows them that well that is the i think that's the problem that i have sometimes with the <laughs> with a lot of hard guidelines is that sometimes i uh, at least when i was a kid i uh, i would kind of choose to follow them as i see fit and that did in fact get me into a, a sizable amount of trouble so yes I yes so and so it sounds like studying like studying and then also it's a, it was it's important and it's uh what's there's a, a strong value in following the rules i would is that what is that fair to say <laughs> yeah. yeah and i would i would say even more so because i uh, again so as i told you i'm not that bad at mm -hmm. studying so i got to a pretty good school i said mm -hmm. one of the top 10 middle schools in china uh, not in china in beijing right but the problem mm -hmm. is that the uh really just really hardline tools and every you know rules and everything and i really just didn't you know i kind of feel a little depressed there just a little yeah. bit but but enough mm -hmm. to be like you know let's see if there's any other options at all outside and see if there's any uh, thing that i could you know make for a change and that's probably prompted me to um when i first came to america i actually attended a uh exchange students program when i was 14 so that's like i stayed at a host family for a year and then i attend american public school so that's okay. that's afterwards yeah okay but, so you were 15 the first time that you entered into a new a new place new culture new language and you were living with another family uh what yeah. was that one? what 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 do you feel like can you tell us a little bit about that experience? Like, what did you, what was really difficult for you going through that big transition? Did you um, feel, like, I'm sure there was difficulties, but there may be, a, I don't know if there was a sense of relief or freedom that some of those other pressures weren't as prominent from what you, from what you've said to me before. I mean, it was definitely, yeah, of course. you know, a mixed bag, but I would love to hear a little bit about what that first year kind of presenting that young adolescent Joseph with that was definitely a lot of cultural shock I would say um but uh, you know but that's everybody knows that already so let's let me talk about something else so where I went to uh, I went to Wisconsin and that was a place where uh <clears throat> I would say where I you know I really had my um uh, first encounters with you know like how American life is and let's say you know, I wouldn't say struggling middle class, but how like a really middle class in America, like in a rural area actually lives. So my host parents and I love them uh, and uh, my host families. So, you know, like really treated me very well. And, you know, and I also like learned a lot of new skills because there's a lot of snow in Wisconsin and I uh, had to like snow plow a little bit. And then, like, you know, all the all the fun yeah. stuff with the snows that uh, goes all the way up to your waist, something like that. But right? uh, yeah, yeah. It, it was also, yeah, hard to imagine when you're in Mexico, right? But uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you know, the culture shocks are actually there because like, I actually, that's a very small town. Uh, when I was there, I went to the community high school uh, because that's what the um, exchange program allow us to be placed in a community high school. I, I think I'm one of the few, uh, I'll, I'll say one of the few Asians there. And then, uh, and then one of the, uh, I would say one of the, uh, you know, like one of the people of color in the school. Yeah. 
too. So, you know, like there are some, uh, I think there are some, I forgot the ethnicity group and I apologize for that, but some of my best friends are from the uh, descendants of uh, Laos and Vietnamese. So, uh-huh. because, you know, like back in the, I think the 70s, 80s, there were like uh, refugee camps that were installed like all around America. Like they didn't pick to be like, oh, you know, there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of international presence. So let's put you in New York City. No, they're like randomly selected. So like right outside my town, like like at that time, the city took in like, you know, a few thousand uh, refugees from Southeast Asia. And then that's where they lived. And then so that's the only thing that make me feel that I'm not alone in that kind of situation is because I do have some of my fellow Asians there for me. Yeah, so that's uh, that's a good thing. But yeah, it's definitely like a cultural shock. And then like, it's also, you know, again, like my first... Um, fair taste of american politics as well as uh american some no some other interesting american stuff like uh, racism but also like all the uh football culture you know mm-hmm. how, yeah. how you know how you how you have more pets than the uh, family member in your in your house <laughs> you know all the traditional stuff and I, you know i really like it and also maybe you know just for a lot of you know north northwestern people you know like uh-huh. a lot of a common hates towards the uh, you know the democrats or something like that you know it was obama at the time so yeah uh the people around me had a lot of strong feelings about obamacare and everything so you know i kind of i've been on the both end of the spectrum talking to different people in terms of politically so yeah it was, it was a fun experience but again it was a lot of cultural shock and then because at that time i do not i don't even know a lot of good english because i yeah. you know taking english classes and living in a like English environments are completely different and mm-hmm. that so like I had to like really follow myself way to actually understand people like for example I really I think it was my first week right my buddy's like what's up I was like yeah what does that what does that mean bro what is that? <laughs> yeah so you know like I, I, I all we learn is hi how are you you know I'm doing fine and you you know that that wouldn't fly in any like a normal daily setting and so I'm grateful that I got the experience to uh to exchange and live in somebody's you know home they open up their home to me and then i'm you know eternally mm-hmm. grateful so yeah well and also at that point in time um at least in and and i'm i can't make the assumption that everywhere is is uh the same but at least developmentally social social interaction and social development and the formation of friendships is so important in adolescence right and like being a part being a part of your your peer group um, is just it's it's really crucial. And so, for you coming in and being in in a different space and like as you said, just even the language that colloquial language mm-hmm. of how you identify and connect with your peers, uh, setting up you know maybe a barrier. Um, do you feel like do you feel like you were able to make friends and 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 connect with, even though you were, as you said, like one of the only Asian students and one very few one of a very few group of uh, students of color in that space? Were you oh, able yeah. to, yeah, to yeah, make yeah. friends? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I was, and then, you know, I was, you know, like actually, you know, let's think, I've, I actually made a lot of friends, and uh, I would say, you know, like we some of them are still we don't still keep in touch with them just because we uh they introduced me to the video game that i play and then 
I, mm-hmm. I keep playing and they're still online. So, you know, sometimes we catch up and everything. But, you know, at the end of the day, it, it is more about, uh, you know, talking to people and, you know, like they're equally curious as you are because they never see somebody from China before maybe or perhaps not mm-hmm. have like interaction or sit in a classroom. So, so that was kind of like the interaction that I had. And it was great. Um, awesome. I would say, though, yeah, <laughs> I would say, though, sometimes I'm a little just because of the culture that I have back, you know, like in terms of like, you know, uh like more like on the uh, earlier end of the like forming relationships and stuff i was a little dumb at that point you know sometimes i look looking back that oh you know actually you know we'll, maybe we're like kind of flirting with each other I, I didn't realize that at all back in the time so you know maybe some uh, opportunity missed but yeah in general it was fun because i also attended a lot of sports and then you know i played tennis but i also did choir so you know i get to know a lot of people and from different different types of people too like if you think about it right in like community high school people who sing in choir and a cappella are totally different than somebody who plays sports and soccer and everything right so so i got to you know i got to kind of have my fair share with everyone so that's good that's interesting so and and also yeah so in a way being the person the new person coming in without those limiting beliefs about where you belong and where you don't belong mm-hmm you were able to just connect into the things that were interested, interesting to you and then connect with different groups of, of students. That's great. Yeah. Um, well, and I think uh, if anything, I mean, I, I've had, I have the benefit of being able to, to know you in person and, and see you here <laughs> yes. in Guanajuato. And mm-hmm. I can say that, that I don't know if this is something that you've had since you were a child, but, uh, or if it's something that you developed through your experiences abroad, but you are very good at, at making friends and, and. Oh, that's a acquired skill. That's a acquired skill. Acquired skill, right? Yeah. And and creating situations where people feel comfortable. Like I, I saw you interacting with lots of different students or lots of different people and individuals, and you were able to just, um, really sort of break the ice as they say and and connect in a really natural way with different lots of different people so do you Thank think you. that's yeah. you, you've acquired that through all of your different experiences <laughs> uh yeah i would say so so it's kind of like an up and down kind of thing so i really also if you want, really want to get to the personal personal level mm-hmm. i so it's kind of like an up and down kind of thing, right? I was very like outgoing and stuff. And then, you know, like middle school comes around, I got like suppressed a little bit, you know? And then I went to the, come to the US, I opened up and everything. And then maybe, you know, as time goes on in college, the first two years, I kind of, you know, slowly closed myself a little bit as well, just because, you know, it's a new places. And like, to be honest with you, like putting yourself out there is hard. It takes courage, it takes energy. You have to talk to people. You have to be the, take the initiative, right? So that's kind of like a hard thing to do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, maybe on the first two years of college, I didn't want to do that anymore. And that was more like to myself, more reserved, less talkative, unless I really mm-hmm. want to sit down, and have a conversation and stuff like that. But but and then, you know, after some personal events, let's just say uh, <laughs> in terms of uh, relationships and stuff, I came to Mexico really like throwing all the chips off my shoulders and i was like you know what let's restart let me open up again let me you know start to be the one who i'm more you know who i feel like i'm more naturally aligned Mm -hmm. to and then so that's the version of me you saw you didn't see like a always like me always kind of version you saw like a 
trying to changing change change things me and uh, you know I was trying to start yeah. with a clean slate in a new environment I was trying hard to I was definitely not a natural thing for me but you know it worked mm -hmm. out and uh, I think actually it was you know quite a transitional moment the year I in Mexico and then the year afterwards mm -hmm. and I you know I kind of like right now who I am kind of comes from that version back then so it's, uh, sorry it's a little like tedious and hard to explain but yeah that's basically no, it makes that. a lot of sense it was so it was it was intentional it was I uh, wouldn't say much of intentional it's just that I I don't have the energy to hold down my uh, emotional barrier anymore so you know I'm just letting loose and then try to see where that takes me you know be a little bit more open-minded talk to everyone I came across and everything so yeah that's great. And, and so you. when you came, so let's go, let's backpedal just a bit because there's, there's an important part there that we're missing. So you did your one year. Yeah. <laughs> and then, cause this is so important. As you said, you had 14 years yep. in Beijing Yep. and then you came to the U S you did that year. And what happened after that year? After that year, you know, I feel like, Hey, maybe um, it is, a good time for me to um, actually, you know, because I loved studying and everything. So I was like, hey, mom and dad, will there be a, like a way that I can actually make make it work uh, to stay in America and study? Uh, and I was like, you know, my mom and dad was like, you know, it's not definitely not cheap. Again, like it's the only way for us to do more than one year in America. So we can only do one year of change school mm -hmm. program and be mm -hmm. like, a you know, public school basically for free. The rest of the years, if you want to be here, you had to like go to private schools, you have to pay for full tuition. So we kind of have to find a, you know, like basically, but, you know, luckily I landed with a church farm school or CFS in uh, Exton, Pennsylvania. Uh, where I, you know, spent the next three years over there with, you know, relatively cheap cost. You know, it's a it's a small school, like two hundred people, old boys okay. school, Episcopalian. Okay. So, you know, all the good stuff in the mix. And then you're middle of nowhere on a basically on a church farm school. And then you know, that that's why the cost probably not that high. But I'm eternally mm -hmm. grateful for that. And uh, yeah, so we made it work. And I went to um, I spent my high school years at church farm. Okay. Yeah. And you know, that sounds very different culturally yes. Yes. than that first year you had. I mean, oh, yeah. that's the interesting thing about being in the United States that I think it's important for people to recognize as international students coming in. You can be dropped into, you know, one culture, get used to that, and then you're somewhere else in the same country. And it's a completely different, like, like a completely different lay of the land right yeah. and so how did that experience work for you and what did you learn about yourself uh when you were going to the to the this boarding school oh yeah so basically you know we are not so it's a boarding school so it's you know it supports kids from everywhere and then i think it's a very important part of like the school's mission because the school was founded back in the days by a reverend and he wanted to have a place for the young boys to actually grow and like properly grow and especially you know maybe for those who does not have a parent currently present in their life or like a fatherly figure and maybe you know that's basically all the international students and a lot of kids from jersey from new york city and from Philadelphia, downtown philadelphia and that's what happened you know we recruit from all those different places and the school is really really diverse 
let's say okay. like including international and including everybody we're like 70 percent uh students uh you know that came from the background of or self-identify as people of color or anything like that so mm -hmm. you know like we really had a good mix and you know because again did like, you say 70 percent yeah almost 60 or 70 percent i would say yes, yes. Oh wow, it's a big difference there. Yeah, I have I have black <laughs> African American like friends. I have like Hispanic friends, and you know like a lot of Asian friends as well, and also like international students. We recruit from all over the place. So we recruit from uh, somewhere like Ethiopia, Africa. We recruit wow. from like Korea, China. You know, like um, Vietnam. You know, like it's a Not it's everything. a small school, but yeah, like I think our. Uh, uh, our admissions uh, officer at that time, who is uh, Mr. Brendan Ziegler, he really did a good job of reaching to every corner of the <laughs> continent to bring everybody. And then we have people from uh, Lithuania and stuff like that. So yeah, it's a uh, it's a great that mix. That sounds amazing. Yes, that sounds really amazing. Indeed. Okay, and so so then you got to spend three years in this space. And so being in a space like that, Dawson, I imagine like, did you still feel like there was a dominant culture? or was the culture sort of created by the individuals that were kind of creating a sense of of shared experience because if you have a 75 or 70 percent uh uh student body that's coming from many different places uh you are still in america right so so how did that play out did there seem to be a dominant culture that was setting the values and setting the tone or did it feel more like uh something that was in in flux or in development because of the students that were there i would say it's like a mix right so because like mm -hmm. for those for those people who've been like 15 16 a lot of their traits and who they want to hang out with like already set so it's a mix because you know you're in a basically like a secluded like you have to check in in the morning at 7 30 you have to check in again at lunch and dinner you know like it is a very well you're a little bit much in the like this kind of institution it changes mm -hmm. you right so sometimes like we do are we are with people who you know who came from a culture let's say you know because we are trying to be like a brotherhood so that's our culture of the school you know because we are all guys but you know we want to help each other out bring each other out be each other's connection and support system so we're a brotherhood but also you know there's people let's say um if they know each other already you know back in philly west philly then they will you know more tend to hang out with each other like that and then maybe you know let's like i said i may or may not be you know like a kind of like a people who would you know uh, lead the Chinese international students cohort and then like you know we call that a C squad C for Chinese right so okay. there is like a both you know like in a lot of a lot of sense you know you are in for example I'm in varsity wrestling tennis and mm -hmm. uh, you know other sports like that you know we have our own like identification of that but also you know mm -hmm. you're Chinese you gotta hang out you gotta go to HMART with your Asian fellows you know that's a that's a good part too so it's, you know it's okay. a, I think that's what I'm saying it's, it's a good mix but uh there's a half and half I would say and and as far as being uh Chinese in mm -hmm. that space like so now you've had two different high school experiences in the United yep. States yep and then now and then after that you go to Hamilton now in these different spaces, um, do you did you how did you feel as 
as being Chinese, not Chinese American. Like they know that there's a there's a distinction there yes. as well, right? Yes. A big distinction. So what is what does that feel like and and being in the US? Like what are some of your observations and your personal experiences with um and I'll say like you know interacting with uh white America, right? And and mm-hmm. in a predominantly white space. Um and then also in this diverse space, like what what were some of those perceptions of that's going to be like your social identity, right? Like, like how do you feel like people were interacting? The society was sort of reflecting or interacting with you. Well, I think I think people see me and they assume something already, right? So sometimes I have to like, I think I think that's part of how I became, you know, gradually gradually have such a not I would say strong but i would say you know pretty you know a little bit maybe perhaps intense personality okay it's it's because you know like usually you know the perception of uh let's say you know again only subject to my opinion is asian americans that's that you know they're good studying you know they they they're law-abiding citizens or you know let's say you know the social construct of model citizen trying to you know separate and our fellow immigrants apart right in that in that sense then what i'm you know what i'm doing is i don't want to i'm again like say as i explained earlier I, when i was in middle school can you know like elementary school i was the non-conformist to the rules i don't want to be like that you know i was i have my own personal identity and uh, me being you know proactive me being you know be able to voice out being being able to like be super involved a lot of things that is the part of me that's trying to say that hey i am somebody from china it is part of asia and stuff like that but i maybe sometimes yeah maybe sometimes i do fit into the stereotypes of asians or asian americans but sometimes i am not part of that right and that's you know you know and i do feel like that is not again absolutely not to associate on anyone or any culture or how america is because mm-hmm. that's the status quo and by you know trying to change it maybe i'm doing my fair share or maybe i'm doing the opposite but only history can tell right so but along the way you, you kind of see people from all different areas right like i said the you know my exchange program in wisconsin and my uh, my high school near philadelphia and in the college you know hamilton college is a very liberal let's say vocally liberal college but you also have people in different walks of life you know mm-hmm. i would say there's a you know there's in terms of like for example like political affiliation there's as much as democrats on the campus as as much as uh, republicans mm-hmm. you know because everybody can vote by that time we get in college right but mm-hmm. it seems like you know especially after trump and everything the republicans are not that you know openly advocating so it makes it sound like make it feels like you know Hamilton College is like 80% 90% predominantly democrats. Okay. However, you have to talk to everybody and then you actually have to put yourself out there to actually talk to each other to see mm-hmm. what it's really like. You cannot take the face value of you know uh-huh. what it appears Absolutely. to be. Yeah. What so that's Yeah, that include mm-hmm. myself. It's just that you know a lot of times people wouldn't have the energy to actually dig in everybody they meet. So I have to put myself out there. I have to start making friends. And that's how it works, you know, because yeah, it is what it is. And then it's working out so far. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess then the next question is mm-hmm. um, after 
after these experiences, this collection of experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you've had 14 years in Beijing, and now you've had four years in high school in the U.S., and pretty different experiences, but four yeah. years there. And mm-hmm. then um, you, you're at Hamilton, and at Hamilton, you have another four years, right? Yeah. <laughs> like you have two, two years. So you have six years there. At this point in time, looking at those, you know, they had the big eight, like the different mm-hmm. uh, social identities on how to define yourself. And, and there's, of course, we have all of those, but usually there's some that are more predominant. Like we say, this is important to me. This is how I see myself. Uh, not so much how the world is perceiving you because that's a, there's, there is that as well. And the, the world like checking in and, and saying who you are. Um, but coming from your experience and where you are at, at that point, before you came here to Mexico, what would be your, your top three? Maybe oh, so salient, before, salient identities before be, coming to Mexico. Before coming to Mexico, okay, because like mm-hmm. Mexico is a whole new, different level of experience that I wish I, you know, we have time to talk about. But right before that, I would say, um, to myself, uh, hmm, that's an interesting topic because you know, like it's it's a huge mix, right? Like the big A, like for me. Like, I don't think race, ethnicity, and nationality can necessarily separate me. So it can be separated in that bracket to begin with, right? right? Yeah. Because it's all one for you. Or is that what you're saying? That it yes. feels like they're intertwined? Yeah. Yes, yes. Because I, you know, like, the reason I'm America is because, you know, like, you know, I feel, you know, although, you know, right now, although paying different taxes and stuff like that, you know, like, I'm a resident alien protects saying, right? And then at that point already, I was already like five as long as you spend five more years one of five years in america you you change from non-residential alien to residential alien but you are mm-hmm. still an alien right so in that term mm-hmm. an alien so not you know like you are asian i am of asian origin and I'm of chinese origin and i am a chinese it kind of goes hand to hand which is you know like it's kind of like yeah. merged birth together into one big kind of identity of me and i cannot mm-hmm. you know leave it out carrying around like maybe i can sound like one you know it's like you know i'm an asian don't assume me to be a foreigner but deep down mm-hmm. i know that i am a foreigner in this country and then that matters to me so if you're talking about the big street you know might as well just call it race ethnicity and nationality because like they cannot go hand to hand right yeah okay yeah so that's kind of hard but yeah or if you treat them as one then i have mm-hmm. you know two more to share but like depending on how kate how you define these <laughs> identities well give us one more just for the for the sake of conversation because I, I can see that that i mean being being asian and being an alien i mean even that word right yeah like I know. you know I, I think maybe those let's say those are two those are really defining, right? Like, like uh, because I see you and like the amount of time that you've spent in the U.S. is incredibly influential on mm-hmm. how you see how you see the world, how you how you socialize, how you interact. Um, your your rebellion, right? Your your like little. challenge. A little challenging of the rules, challenging of how things are. Would you say that that's something that you has been reinforced and that is more a part of the u.s culture than it was in beijing uh i wouldn't i would say i was not i was uh, feeling pretty happy that i 
was a little, you know, the, 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 the challenging spirit was a little bit more celebrated and encouraged in America, I would say. Um, okay. so, the challenging yeah. spirit. There it is. Yes. Yeah. I think like maybe that's not on the list of these big eight, but that that is definitely a, a way that I see you that I can imagine Thank in you. you. And I've heard you multiple times like say that about yourself, that that challenging spirit, that that's like a big part of who you are. I'll, I'll put that underneath like the bracket of ability, right? It's uh, it's my physical and mental ability. I have a certain capacity to do certain things at a certain <laughs> level, right? You know, you know, it takes energy and stuff. So I, again, I'm not like a chat, like I wake up, I was like, you know, screw this role. I'm going to challenge everyone. I mean, no, like it, it takes, you know, like that's, that's as much as it sounds great. I can only have challenging spirit for that amount of capacity that I have. The rest of the things, you know, you cannot just break every red light and everything like that. So no, I would no, say, no. That, yeah, I would say that would, <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a, I would say that's an under the ability bracket in terms of the big eight, but yes. Okay. So <laughs> then, so then what would be your second um, or your third? So if we say that, you know, the first and foremost would be Mm -hmm. that's race and race and nationality but then also like the the second one would be your Ability. like yeah. your residents or like like residents in the u.s right mm -hmm. like yeah because you've been there so long that i know i start like, to pay american taxes for like a long <laughs> longest time so yes yeah so being an immigrant is now a part of you know being an immigrant or being as you said that word alien right like that isn't that's a perpetual part of, of yeah. one of your identities yeah. and then it, would you say that that challenging spirit is the third or is there another one in there like is there mm. a religion or political affiliation or um, any of those do those feel more important or no i think no i think i'm still trying to figure out who i am and as he said yeah i think um <laughs> You know? yeah yeah i know right so you know like that's the kind of like the a lot of things going on already so i think you know at least before i went to the mexico that's kind of like the identity like kind of process okay. that i had with me yes okay well then give us give us the give us the the overview mm -hmm. of of jowson coming to guanajuato you came here with this intention to open yeah. and to try to do things differently. I know you came here to learn and, and focus on, on mathematics. Oh, and oh, oh yeah. Uh -huh. But you also came here with some social goals. And and what did how did that impact you? Tell us in, in a nutshell, I mean, or whatever you feel like sharing, what happened with the oh. experience of being here? And in, in a nutshell, I started to talk to a lot of people, talk to way more people, learn so many perspectives. Uh, you know, like I I don't know, I'm doing like all sorts of things right i'm doing things like you know like drinking on thursday friday saturday sunday nights you know going out to bars and stuff like that with my friends to meet new people i also you know was you know studying like trying to talk to all the you know on a professional or academic level because cmat is a very prestigious school and like we attract graduate students from everywhere like mm -hmm. especially like latin america this is like the best of latin america right so like talk to so many people and then you know like for example a friend he come from ecuador and right now he's in duke right so we keep in touch and everything so you know like there's twofold right and also you know like i 
I try to, you know, at least physically, you know, mentally, physically, that comes hand to hand. I try to like keep a physical shape. I'm, you know, I was in the best shape when I was in Mexico and I'm very proud of it, actually, just because right now I'm not in as good as shape. Right. So that's kind of like you have to remember, you know, I was running, I was running like 5K, like mountain running with my professors, like three, two times a week. And I was going to the gym four or five times a week and everything. So, you know, it was it was like a great time for me and I was young. So I had the mm -hmm. energy. I go at everything I could. I uh, attended a lot of the cultural events that the uh, MSSG organized and Kate, you know that, right? Yeah. We've been to a lot of yeah. different places and like tour, like a lot of different things, look at, you know, traditional things and, you know, like also, you know, personally as a, as a male, I talked to a mm -hmm. lot of, you know, like girls and stuff like that, you know, hang out with them. So, you know, it was very nice. It was a, uh, like I would say in general it's a full package mm -hmm. I saw the things I like to do I saw the things I don't like to do and uh yeah and, and I really had a good lived, time you also actually lived with two yeah. students uh like national students from from Merida and I know that was I mean I think there were some good things and some some challenging things there oh, yeah. for you of, of, of space. and then and and have to like go across those that that culture like what what did it feel like being China? Like, so you're Chinese, but you're coming here from the U.S., right? You came from Hamilton. Yeah, yeah. And, and and I'm sure that there was a lot of like having to introduce yourself, right? Like trying to explain who is Jiaozhen, where did Jiaozhen come from, and oh yeah, and what <laughs> how did that how did that feel in this setting as far as like how did the your social identity show up in Mexico? That's that's kind of interesting because. Right, like I still remember, like my, uh, you know, because I was not, I wasn't that good at Spanish. That's why, you know, I I got like, um, like had to like take like two class a week on my Spanish lessons, and the Spanish teacher was like, "Jalisa, your your Spanish has American accent." I was like, "Like hell, I do." And I actually had realized, well, yeah, you're right, probably. Yeah, it sounds like one of those <laughs> Americans, <laughs> somebody <laughs> living in Texas, trying to speak speak Spanish. So I was like, okay, <laughs> like, I, I guess, you know, like when I opened my mouth to speak Spanish, people would have assumed like I have at least some American background, right? That is kind of mm -hmm. like, but it's interesting because, you know, when, first of all, you said you're from China and I was like, oh my God, they're so far away. You know, like that's kind of like people are like, oh, treating you like an actual foreigner and she, you know, like explain to you mm -hmm. everything, right? And then you're like, oh, but I studied and lived in america at that point it was uh four five six 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 and a half years all right like, oh never mind so you're like just on the bordering <laughs> up north i was like yeah kind of you know I, I know how things work and everything so culturally that's kind of like i think for for a lot of people that's like a little easier for them to explain a lot of things going on like um mm -hmm. I, I would say i would say like uh, for example the the uh, uh hmm, let's say Dude, I, I, I'm blinking on his name. The the cultural, um, basically the ambassador, uh, George. Yeah, George. Uh, yeah, yeah, George. 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 George Azusa, right? Yeah. So he is like yeah. one of those people who, you know, like who, who kind of took care of us, kind of showed us around, and you know, like the conversation is way easier with him after, you know, like. Or like okay, but I've been in America like for as long as you are. So like kind of you know we kind of mm -hmm. had to you know we kind of clicked and everything. So it's it's kind of like it's too late later. So they know you're from China, but they also know you have like American living and studying American background, which mm -hmm. kind of sometimes makes things easier, right? Like comparing mm -hmm. to I just come in like mm -hmm. as a uh, 
like a complete foreigner. Let's say I come in, I flew in mm-hmm. into a university at the Gonahato, and then I start to learn. Right, that's a little different. I would have yeah. had a, a greater cultural shock in in terms of a lot of cultures, especially like cultures among young young people, like you know how you mm-hmm. how you go to partying because and stuff like that. Because yeah. it's Western, right? Like there's the yeah, common yeah. thread of and yeah. and we're neighbors, and so there's a lot of shared cultural values and even if it's not a shared value there's familiarity right it's like even it's like i know they know a lot more about american culture and american culture has a lot more knowledge of mexican culture so it just feels a little bit easier to kind of latch on to i would Um, say so yeah i would say so yes now i know also Mm -hmm. uh just to to touch on this one of the things i remember you speaking about that was surprising or sort of different for you mm-hmm. in in Mexico uh, was um, I see sort of your your political conversations or like oh, your yes, ability yes. to talk oh. about different things. T- talk a little bit about that, about like like just the difference of coming from China, being in the U.S., having yeah, yeah. conversations about global politics, about the way that the, the world that the government works and and maybe opinions about governments like what was the difference between being in the U.S. versus being in Mexico having those those conversations and being able to express yourself mm, that's a good question um that's actually interesting because I feel like um in America like people have this um like conception of you know the pride of how the institution political system works, although there's challenges, it's kind of like one of those things where like, you know, uh, how do you put it? You know, like we all had like this, maybe this college experience or this high school experience, right? You know, like everybody like, everybody like went there and was like, yeah, that place is kind of shit. Oh, you know, or excuse my language, that place is kind of, you know, like for example, the food are not that great or, you know, mm-hmm. it's not that great, you know, but you know, that's within our own, you know, like us who went there and then if anybody else come at us we're like you know you know shut up don't don't talk smack about our alma mater right that kind of us feel right so in america you know like whenever i try to have a conversation about you know the good and the bad of the you know you know like people are more willing to talk about the bad of where i come from you know i <laughs> and then the good about where they are at so that's interesting but on my end I'm open to talk about both the good and bad of where I come from and where I am. Uh-huh. So sometimes starting those conversations is a little hard and sometimes can, can get a little heated. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, admittedly, in my personal humble opinion, as long as there is a, you know, human being running the government, as long as we're not relying on, let's say, AI or some, like, futuristic machine, <laughs> like, like, people have weaknesses and then, that's how so the government will have flaws in terms of whatever whatever ideology we're we're talking about right Mm -hmm. so that's the same thing in america but a lot of people don't want to have that conversation with me versus in mexico i think a lot of just because it was a position of Mm -hmm. uh, mexico you know like the colonialism right like Mm -hmm. that is an actual word but a lot of americans don't even know what how that feels like or what that word means right so yep. you know, there's there's a lot of you know like conversations I can have with the uh, with some of my Mexican friends about things, and then they are actually surprisingly really good at a lot of the ideologies and let's say different differences between like anarchism, 
anarchism or like communism you know and maybe like so socialism yeah yeah. Yeah. yeah there's more i think maybe more um, awareness of the subtle differences between all these different types of government and because Not, yeah. of our experience right it's there's at least i can say within mexico it, there has been dictatorship there has been populism there has been socialism yeah, yeah. and there's now democracy and so maybe it's also that 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 experiencing different forms of, of government and different uh political ideals idealism it's like there's more of a an ability to discuss it openly so did and, you feel more comfortable yeah. Yeah, talking okay. about it with students here of course you know like we can have a candid conversation on you know how you know democracy work or not work in mexico or somewhere else in the country and then i would say you know how where i come from this is what i feel like you know if how, how you know like how socialism is actually working pretty well i would say recently uh-huh. you know that's when i was in mexico you know mm-hmm. and uh no, actually, and then we don't talk about things that we talk about how like I, I, I don't know if that's true or not at this point, like like southwest part of Mexico, there are some tribes and stuff like that, some villages that, you know, they don't take government orders. They're like more on the anarchist side of things that they run by themselves, you know, mm-hmm. they, who hates government intervention and stuff like that. You know, we, we, we have conversation about all of that. And, you know, like how about how the um, multi-millionaire, you know, like multi-national, you know, international companies, you know, like how mm-hmm. how. How was that pushed? For example, like how was Walmart pushed in Mexico, or how does the because Guanajuato there's a lot of automobile industry as well, right? From Japan and from North America, you know how how does that really affect the people? And you know, like, yep, are we worried taking advantage of, or is actually you know help you know depending on narratives, right? Or is it exploitation, or actually gives people a way of you know living instead of you know growing let's say growing drugs and you know being a cartel they can actually go to factory right there's like so many different angles of looking at things and i just celebrated how you know outside the, the angles that we were to able to approach and have a conversation or like the angles that i was surprised about you know in the conversation that was more yeah. let's say non-monotonically one way of looking at things yes, mm-hmm. yes. okay yeah and and you know what, you've actually just like established something for me that mm-hmm. I don't think that maybe our our group and that, you know, we have our list of the, the social identities. And it's really interesting because mm-hmm. of what you're saying and, you know, as me living here in Mexico for as long as I've lived, it's, I can see the difference between here and being in the U.S. In the U.S., I would venture to say that political affiliation is is a strong social identity. Yeah, I would, uh, and I don't, is. And yeah. I don't know that, that, I mean, that's not something that every country would replicate or would, would say, oh yes, I need to add political affiliation or political party affiliation as one of my social identities that is salient and, and really important or non-salient, you know, maybe less salient, but just very important in the yeah, framework yeah. of my value system and who I am as a, as a person. Um, yeah. And I think that's probably, it sounds like it's definitely a part of the experience that you've had in the US and, and the ability to have these open, sincere, uh, respectful conversations that maybe challenge the, or just, you know, they just, you just wanna talk about the good and the bad and look at the different angles and it might be limiting. Uh, yeah, and yeah, of course. <laughs> 
and uh, you know, given the political atmosphere right now as we speak, which is a little bit different than when I went to the <laughs> Mexico at the time in America, you know, like right now in America is uh, you know continuously getting way more bipolar, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and again, like people would not hear the good and bad. People only want to talk about the good of their side and the bad of the other side, which is mm-hmm. uh, which is interesting. But again, like that's how things are going, right? In Chinese, we have a saying that the uh, what are separated. For a long time will gradually comes apart and what comes apart will gradually become separated as time goes that's the how natural mm-hmm. evolution of things and uh, mm-hmm. and this mm-hmm. is you know i think in america politically wise you know this is maybe one of those big moments or you know the important periods and you know just second to i think the other important periods in america history maybe mm-hmm. how the uh, you know how back in the days uh, de- democratics were representing, you know, federal governments and what, you know, you know and yeah. So, you know, like, and then, you know, we're basically like the big government, small government ideology switched on each end, right? Like that, uh, mm-hmm. that, that yeah. period of time, which is like a hundred years ago, maybe this is another time of transformation and stuff like that. So, um, so yeah. Awesome. And that was, and so I know that that was a very interesting time for you. And then as far as, um, you know, an interesting aspect of, I want to be respectful of our time, but this is really of important course. to study yes. abroad to hear. Um, one of the really important things for you is that you are here in Mexico. Um, you're on a visa, right? You're an international student. You had to be mindful of your visa <laughs> and yeah. uh, wonderful. Um, I know you were having a great time. Everything was oh, going great. Yeah. And, then, and then COVID, right? Oh, yeah. And so, I mean, it's a really, I mean, you lived through something that I, I think is definitely not enviable. Nobody wants to have to go through. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. But I know you were here and you were watching from afar as uh, the coronavirus was beginning the pandemic in mm-hmm. your home country. Yeah. And the rest of the world was still unaware of what that meant. And yeah, I can say that in that moment, I saw, um, I saw a great like sort of separation where all of a sudden I could see you going through reality in a completely different way than your peers were because oh yeah, <laughs> right because of your awareness and and so I'm just curious about about how that felt about like how when you're in a foreign place but what's going on back home suddenly becomes like it's like you're almost it felt like you were in both places at once i don't know if you felt that way uh, but yeah i see what you mean yeah so so, interestingly enough uh you know at that time i was facing with a decision of you know like because we were shutting down everything right like either i get yes. out of the country or i stuck there for like until now basically so you know I, I can fly home or i can fly back to america because my visa is about to expire and then you know at that time that's why the you know reality kicks in because nobody knows how scary it is but just by the naming of it it's uh i think it's called s it's called sars 2 but uh-huh. mind you so there if there's a two there's gotta be a one and the one was the one that was pre-pandemic in china back in like 2004 or something uh-huh. 
last part of my childhood and I know how you know how bad it got and I was like shit you know this might be another one that really mm-hmm. especially how negligence the western media and western institution government are at that time you know we're like mm-hmm, this is not going well so I was like you know I gotta make a choice and then I basically crossed the border on foot and then legally that is but you know I got stuck in the border protection they questioned me for like four hours or something and I finally got back to America and I haven't left ever since just studying here and living here because if I leave I have to apply for a new visa right but so there's a lot of uh, multi-factor in there just like I said Mm -hmm. so the experience of having that have lived another pandemic in my lifetime that is widespreading and is scary equally Mm -hmm. or even more scary than COVID that's one. Mm-hmm. The second one is my status, right? I'm a study abroad student studying abroad in America and Mexico. So I got to think about all these things that, you know, if I'm legally going to be able to go back to my country vis-a-vis, you know, legally going back to my education, you know, that's another layer. The third layer is I'm trying to help as much as I can, try to tell people, yo, this is actually happening. But that's wow. the, I, I still remember, you know, while I was having like a, you know, because I'm on good terms with professors, we're having like a brunch somewhere i forgot where but we were having brunches in a, in a pretty good brunch restaurant like a little bit outside of uh i think a little bit outside the city of guanajuato uh, you mm-hmm. know that place and then we were like you know talking and my uh i don't know i'm not naming people but you know my uh, uh my one of my professor who uh, you know were, were born originally from belgium he was like but the american cdc said we don't have to recommend you don't have to wear a mask i told him yo sock on mask but i like but you know look at the look at the <laughs> the u.s cdc they haven't recommended mask yet they say like, it's okay to not wear a mask i was like dude we fought the asians fought that thing like t- 15 years ago right 10 15 years ago like you got you who do you trust right and then so in the end nobody bought masks and i'm the only one who's yeah, i had like a Raspirator or like a breather when I got on a plane trying to fly back to America, right? Because I know how bad that is. So, but you know, it's kind of like, you know, you're trying to tell people hey, it is coming, it's coming, but people don't, you know, because preconception, because, you know, a lot of things, mm-hmm. people people tend to believe what they believe. And uh, that's a struggle yeah. too for me. I was like, yo, I got to go. People are like, why? Stay in America. It's going to be all right. Or stay, no, stay in Mexico. It's going to be all right. I'm like, dude. I got to get the hell out of here. So you know, like that kind of level, level, you know, it's a whole conversation I have to have with all my professors or my friends are like, sorry, bro. I got to go. You all understand this like in a year or something, but I got to go. Well, right? Even less, right. Yeah. And I mean, I think it was, yeah. it, it was interesting because <laughs> in that moment, you're, you're being Chinese. I will became- say, became yeah. really, really prominent because yeah. had you have been Chinese American, you would not be reading the news and connecting and worrying about your family and actually like connected to what was happening in China. So it's like, even though it wasn't happening to you personally, it mm-hmm. was happening to you, right? And so your fear was there, your concern was there. And it was interesting to watch how, how you were in a different space geographically, but that that part of you became very prominent and very important in oh, your decision yeah. making. I, I wouldn't then, care. Yeah, I wouldn't care that much if I'm not international students to America too, right? Like if I'm an American mm-hmm. citizen, I know I can come in and leave and whenever I can, even if there's like border closing, right? I, the, you know, like being a Chinese in Mexico and in America, like or just 
being lived through another pandemic really just kicked in for me. And I had to, you know, react to what I feel like naturally. So, yeah. yeah I'm <laughs> dealing with a lot of, um, of like a lot of stereotyping and a lot of racism. Um, like, you know, all of a sudden, you, as you mentioned before, people look at me <laughs> and see something and define me before we yeah, move, of course. We move forward. And in that situation, like, as you mentioned lightly, but it's important to mention that experience for you, um, your, your experience of getting out of Mexico and getting back to your, your host, you know, your host country, right. But like where you were going to school, getting back to your education, where you have the right to be there um, yep. it was not easy. It was not automatic. And as you <laughs> nope. mentioned, like you went across the border and you were held. Yeah, I was held. And, and interviewed for how long? Yeah, like four or five hours. And that's that's when I, you know, again, when the reality kicks in. Because I saw the border closes at midnight local time in T- between Tijuana and San Diego. But mm-hmm. actually, they're like, we're following Washington directive. So we're talking about closing the border at midnight per dc so i was three hours late for the border close so now i have to argue that this is an essential travel that i have to go back to my education and stuff and what actually you know really shocked me is that uh it's kind of hard to say and it's it is sad that i say that but there is a significant that i have to address like there are a few border protection you know like border custom officers there and then they were just talking and then they're like yeah so he's chinese he's trying to come back you know, like uh, right now under the news, the gentleman was explaining to the ladies and they were say like this uh, clearly Asian American ladies look at me smirk. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, they always do. So, you know, again, so things like that, a lot of times, and trust me, this is only just once, but I remember that really clearly, you know, tells me that I am going to be forever different from American, Asian American. Maybe one day before I die, maybe I have kids or something, if I decide to stay here i will become part of them but at this moment nobody see me as an asian american so nor should i see myself as an asian american so um, yeah I'm, I'm never one of them because they try so hard to be american mm-hmm. and uh, and i'm chinese so but that's mm-hmm. the reality right that's that's whatever i have to live through and i'm okay with that and you know crossing mm-hmm. the border only not only this, but just feeling like, okay, now they're like trying to question. It's like, hey, are you trying to, you know, like mess with us? I'm trying to game the system and you fail kind of thing. You know, like I'm literally like, okay, my school literally promised me that I can go back and they will have like a dorm. So again, props to Hamilton College. They will have some place for me to quarantine and live during the Mm -hmm. pandemic. They got back to me around 50 hours ago and I planned my entire, not escape, but the trip from Guanajuato to- yeah, to transfer and then to Tijuana and then I bought the uh, bridge, you know, like because you, if you want to cross on land from Tijuana mm-hmm. to San Diego, you have to buy the bridge ticket and everything, you know, I plan everything in that like under like a day or so I'd say goodbye to everybody too. And it's just a lot. And then I, you know, mm-hmm. like I was like, you know, really stressful situation. Yeah. And but, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then, well, I mean, gratefully, and mm-hmm. I'm not grateful that that happened. It's it's really sad that that's the state of things. But I think it's really important to share those stories. Of um, course, it makes me stronger. And everybody else maybe hear about this. More cool. aware. Yeah. And also just more aware, right? Yeah. Like, you know, that that this is a situation and that might it wouldn't be the case for 
someone with a U.S. passport, of but yes. you don't have a U.S. passport, and so <laughs> what does that experience feel like, right? Yeah. And and what what is possible, and both the positive and the negative ends of that spectrum. And in this case, it was negative, right? And but it might be unavoidable. And so, um, in this case, I can say that. I did not prepare you for that, right? And and nor did Carolyn North. And and I mean, I think nobody was, would. Uh, I think uh, nobody, none of us no. would have because yeah. it was out. It's a blind spot, right? It's a blind spot. And honestly, as soon as you said it was, it, it happened. You know, I was checking in with you, and and all of a sudden, I wasn't hearing from you, and then I finally heard from you. And it's hindsight twenty twenty, right? Like as soon as you said it happened, I thought, oh, yeah. Okay, I guess that's not surprising, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I did feel like, man, we should have been talking about that so that, you know, even if it's not an, like a, it's, it's not something you can avoid, but if you go into it knowing, okay, this might happen, it can hopefully be a little bit less stressful, right? And, and yeah. so... Um, but so nobody would know, right? Yeah, nobody, no, nobody was trying to cut the deadline of a border closure, right? So, like, <laughs> right, 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 exactly. Um, so, just to end the conversation, of course, um, because this has been wonderful and really, yeah. really uh, a rich conversation. Thank you. But to yeah. to Likewise. end the conversation, um, we have these four questions. So, like now today. You know, uh -huh. are your what are your big three today? Then the second one is, what do you wish you would have known traveling abroad beforehand? Uh -huh. And I would say maybe let's like deal with you know coming to Mexico because that's the the most fresh studying abroad experience that you've had. It is and then, yes. And then the third question is, what do you wish that your professors and study abroad advisors knew or understood? Like uh, about you know, your specific situation. On my so, Hamilton, I would say this is asking about you yeah. or on my Hamilton people. Either way, I mean, it's okay. both of us, right? Like, like what, what, what could we know or understand that could be helpful for uh, students that are uh, in a similar situation to your own? And then what? And then the last question is, what lesson are you learning about yourself right now? So let's start with the big three, and then we'll move down that list. What? Do you, how do? You, how do you define? right now um yeah i would say um um yeah i don't know i i would say you know i guess i could say you know i guess uh race or cultural identity and national identity are still you know let's call them as one right again i'm being chinese it comes okay. as chinese culture i'm yep. a chinese chinese you know legally and i'm you know Chinese by ethnic so you know let's let's call Chinese as being one and we can decide on what brackets it fills I think the second one would be a uh, a gender identity because I you know I, nothing has changed it's just that uh now I'm in a very I would say again thanks to my girlfriend I'm in a very uh very loving very supportive and healthy relationship and uh, you know being in a relationship for long-term relationship does you know kind of shows you how you know you know in terms of having conversation about gender and about you know mm -hmm. you know power dynamics in society or within a small home or like about like rights and the expectations and everything so mm -hmm. yeah my girlfriend gun really made me you know like we had a lot of those meaningful conversations and now i see it as a very pretty important identity for myself as well 
And um, lastly, I don't know, maybe uh, I would say social economic or slash professional, because again, we have there are different definitions of big eight identities. So mm-hmm. I think right now, I think I would, you know, I would call myself a in a middle of a transition period because right now I'm doing my internship, and less than a year later. Which is precisely uh, May of twenty three. I will be leaving the education and entering the workforce. Right, this is an important mm-hmm. period of my life. I want to identify myself with. You know, I am working, earning hourly wages from Wayfair, but I'm mm-hmm. also a student trying to find his per. You know, like a long term new graduate job, and that's mm-hmm. something that I. You know, I again, it's not light. It's a. Uh, it's a lot of mm-hmm. pressure, anxiety, and everything. But I'm trying to live mm-hmm. through that. I'm proud that you know I have the support system and you know thanks myself to still trying and still you know challenging everything so yeah definitely and you're mm-hmm. also existing in those circles right of like course. so like you know your your academic and professional um self is prominent right now because everything you're doing is around that right it's like you really have to put a lot of energy and being in those spaces and making those connections so it makes a lot of sense that that would be an important part of your identity um, mm-hmm. at this point, as you said, is at this crucial point in, in your life, right? Yeah. Um, so then what is one thing you wish you had have known hmm. before before traveling abroad as a student? Oh, well, before coming to Mexico, I, I would say, again, like for me, there's not that much because culturally it's very, uh, I would say f- at least 30, 30, 40% American. And especially Guanajuato is a, such an international city. Like we see so many tourists and stuff like that. So and you know and then also just because and then the culinary stuff and the food there and then you know not to trust tab water and stuff like that that's a very chinese thing that i have too so i you know i i really like i really benefited from both like both end <laughs> in terms of mm-hmm. where my history and i loved it so i don't know what i wish i'd known more before traveling abroad is that the uh specifically it would be like the you know COVID would happen and mentally be prepared for that um, <laughs> yes don't we all we all wish that we would have no 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 today. for me it's a little bit different because i left so i came to mexico straight from china ah. and then i never mm-hmm. came back that's the last time i left china and then I wish I spent more time with my parents and stuff. So that, that's actually, you know, I know oh, it's not not the intention of what you're asking. But yeah, I, I personally, I do wish I I had known that that's the, you know, until like I wouldn't, I say goodbye to them New Year 2020, right? I knew I shouldn't have known that I wouldn't see them until like 2023, 20, 2024. And I, or even longer because of the, how mm-hmm. travelings are between international mm-hmm. and China. So yeah, I wish I'd known that. But also, on a broader scheme of things, I wish I told myself to uh, get prepared of how rigorous uh, Mexican study is. I always thought it's like American, but no, it's like more like China, you know, like people go through like, like for American kids or American curriculum, like a semester worth of things in a quarter in terms of studying. Maybe they're, mm-hmm. maybe I see mad they're graduate students, so they do that faster, but wow, it's still like a lot of studying and strong work ethics. I wish I knew come a little bit more prepared of how, you know, how much I should respect my Mexican peers. Uh, <laughs> I, I gotta be honest, I saw it's just like American, right? Like, so, you know, like we'll work, but and then I was like, oh man, they really like grinding that gear. And then, you know, how great they are just because, you know, I see a lot of great people, great personality, but also, they also are very respectful, you know, like, and they are, 
going off great places uh, uber you know like google or like microsoft you know they're like very good researchers too that i look up to so you know i wish i i had that a little bit more in mindset like compared to like, oh it's just american college kind of thing so yeah okay yeah more more awareness of, of what you're getting into academically That's oh good. yeah you need to prepare the kids for that too just on your end like <laughs> you, they need to know <laughs> and then what is one thing that you wish that your professors or your study abroad advisors knew or understood about about you like you coming as a chinese American or chinese immigrant alien i I don't like that to use that word. It is what it is, but yeah. used to being abroad. Like how how can can the people who are working in study abroad and assisting that? Like, is there anything that's in a blind spot that you think that would be good uh, if people understood? I mean, I, I, man, this is again a very me itself is a very specific, unique case, mm -hmm. right? So if you're talking about in general they didn't know how hardcore it is studying at CMA and they should prepare their students for. And then one giving credit, maybe do not give me 0.8 credit for something that's like actually worth 1 point of 1.5 American credit, right? So, <laughs> yeah, in my, in, my, in my petition, right? That's why I had to take six, five, six classes at, at, at Guadalajara is because it's only worth 0.8 per, per credit. <laughs> conversion well, <laughs> yeah. so yeah. to have it reflect to have it be have the work that you're doing abroad um honestly reflect in your in your transcript i would say so and you know like just uh again maybe i think another misconception would be that you know some junior year had two years of colleges go fun have a study pro program in uh, let's say london or like paris and you know mm -hmm. kind of do some touristy stuff and but you know some of these programs are actually hardcore like you learn a lot from them and i'm grateful for my experience in guanajuato but you know like people need to know a little bit more as well and i didn't go to mexico to take muscal shots every day right i like i had six classes <laughs> that's a lot so yeah mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay yeah. and then so jason now today uh, here in this new internship and and your postgraduate work what is a lesson that you're learning and also with this relationship i mean you men mentioned being in a a really important relationship uh, with your girlfriend so all of those things are, are are really important and and fundamental aspects of life so what are you learning about yourself right now i am learning that i have um i'm getting getting old uh <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what does that mean for you uh you know i start to feel sleepy maybe it's just a work day nine to five start feeling sleepy around 10 o'clock and everything which usually i go to two o'clock i think most importantly it's just how your body is mm -hmm. and then how you should treat it especially when you're exiting you know transitioning between students and you're working that's a very mm -hmm. important thing that i you know we need to remember and then that's something that yeah you need to take care of your body seriously again like a like a yeah. psa you know you gotta you know getting old and you know 2024 20, comes around you're like falling asleep around like 10 o'clock you know that's exactly like what your dad would do right so <laughs> yeah and so listening to your body learning to listen to of your course, body and what it is and what treat it, it well yeah treat rather it well than as, yeah demanding oh yeah right? demanding so much out of it um, i will i was demanding the heck out of it when i was in mexico and i cannot do that right now so 
you know it it's is not sustainable it, right it's not nope. sustainable nope. <laughs> well it's good and it's and you're 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 um i can say that you're very young to be learning that lesson there's a lot of people that push it a lot longer than that before adrenal glands give out etc and then someone says mm -hmm. okay i have to take care of my body in order for me to be successful professionally i have to also be be good to myself so it's a good mm -hmm. lesson for me. i'm glad you're learning it of course. Um, yes. Well, thank you so much. It's been wonderful um, to touch likewise. base. Likewise. Yes. And I appreciate you participating in this podcast. I hope that you enjoyed this time and this conversation. Hey, most certainly I do. And thank you again for, you know, inviting me to speak on this podcast to, you know, mm -hmm. I feel like I got to share some sauce and have another meaningful conversation with you, which is really always appreciated. So, yeah. Great. Well, Jason, you enjoy your day. I know you have to get off to work. Um, yep. You're busy. You have many things to do today. But so we thank you for joining us and everyone out there. We hope that we will have more conversations uh, as we've had with Sosa and with other students that are interested in sharing their experience. So, all right. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to another episode in our Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion in the World of Education Abroad podcast series. Once again, for more information on the Forum on Education Abroad, you can visit forumea.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, we would just ask that you subscribe to our channel and leave us a review. Please feel free to connect with us on LinkedIn and let us know what you thought about the episode. Thank you for listening.